everyone. Welcome back to First Gen Friends. On this episode, I interview someone really cool. She's a content creator and the co-host of Latina Without Borders, which you can listen to on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I sit down with her and talk about the podcast, the inspiration behind it, the inspiration behind her content that she creates, and just how she ended up in Brooklyn. I think she has really great advice. She has a really awesome story, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. This is Christina. Well, both of my parents are from Ecuador. They are particularly from Guayaquil. So um, they immigrated to the U.S. in their early 20s or mid-20s, and then I was born, and I was born on Long Island, New York, so I am a first-generation Latina in the U.S. I grew up on Long Island almost my whole life, and then now I'm in Brooklyn, like, in my 20s working here. You grew up in Long Island. I don't know if we had, I forget if we had similar experiences, but what was that like for you? So what I remember is, like, there's definitely my childhood is split between two towns, um, and they are so different, even though they're both just 15 minutes driving away. So my, like, I was, I would say, like, I was born in Hempstead, which is a very, like, my big minority yep. um, population, but I don't have any memories there. The memories I have is actually in Bayshore, so more um, inner Long Island, which is also another town with a lot of minorities. I would say majority, yep. like, Hispanics and Black. So I was there until about eight, nine years old. And um, yeah, I remember like we were all either like Latino or like um, in ESL. I was in English as a second language. So I remember like sometimes like speaking Spanish with friends. And um, I really didn't think anything of like like my identity or anything. I just thought yeah. like this is cool. Like we're in school. And then um, at around nine, ten years old, my family decided to move to another town that's called Comac. Um, okay. So I moved there, and I stayed there until high school. So that's, like, the majority of, like, where I would say I, like, was raised and, like, have core memories of. Like, I have no friends I remember from Bayshore, but I definitely had, like, childhood friends growing up in Comac. Um and then when I think of it, looking back, I realized, like, I definitely went through a culture shock at, like, 10 years old. And, again, it was only, like, a few towns over. But I would say the main thing is, like, I went into fourth grade and, you know, I'm already a, was a very shy student. But I just feel like the language, like, English was so much more advanced in Comac than back in Bayshore. I found myself always, like asking friends like what is what does that mean or like I don't, yeah. I don't know what that means and I felt like um I definitely had to catch up so I was like playing catch up um at that moment I definitely um I was not in ESL I don't even think they had that program there but I was in like interesting and writing like that wasn't even you know a thing so it already shows you what type of community I was in um I would say Comex predominantly white I was definitely the only Latina or one of I would say maybe five Latinos graduating in my high school class. Um, so yeah, that definitely was the first time I looked around and was like, oh, like I'm really different from these people in my classroom. 
do you feel like that impacted your confidence at all? I don't think it impacted my confidence, but it definitely was the moment where I had this shift with my parents and my family, where I remember just going home one day and being like, hey, mom, I'm not going to be speaking Spanish anymore. Like, I'm only talking to you in English because everyone speaks English and no one speaks Spanish. And I only want to speak English. So I'm definitely someone that's influenced with my environment. So I think at the time, I was just trying to be like everyone else. Like I wanted to shop at the same stores at the, as them. I wanted to talk the same way. There was even a point where I wanted to spell my name the English way because teachers were spelling my name with an H versus like the Latin way. And I was like, oh, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, so, I mean, I look back at that time and now I'm like, why did I do that? But obviously, I mean, as a child, you're just trying to like, not stand out and have any reason for someone to point anything that's different about you so not confidence wise but I definitely assimilated to the community a lot and yeah I stopped speaking Spanish um and I would say the one thing that I always held on to though was I loved listening to Spanish music so I would like listen to that in my own time in my room um, like in my headphones. <laughs> Doors wasn't... closed, windows closed. Yeah, it wasn't something that I could like share like on the school bus or anything like that. What were some of your American dreams that you had as you were younger? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the main thing was like graduating high school. That was like the main reason they moved from Bayshore to Comac is because Bayshore did not have a good high school. Um, there was a big dropout rate and they just felt like I would probably like get you know, involved in the wrong group or so and like be part of that percentage that dropped out, I guess. Um, but Interesting. 99.9% .9 of students like graduate and like a huge percentage goes to university. Um, it's very, I mean, they, now I realize like how much they sacrifice because Comac is like, their taxes are insane. People move there for the public school district. Um, so I am so grateful that I had that opportunity and I definitely see it now. Like I definitely, the people I went to school with, like college was like, of course you're gonna go to university. That's not even like an option. That's like just the natural next step you do after high school. So I think for me, it was always like instilled that you would graduate high school, um, go to a college, graduate from college, and then have your professional career. I mean, it was very broad, <laughs> but I mean, um, they weren't very, I was lucky they weren't very particular in like, you know, at some point they were like, we would love for you to be a doctor. Um, but they were never very, they never put that pressure on me to like become a lawyer, become a doctor. Like a lot of those yeah. careers that first generation uh, parent or um, Americans, their parents tell them. Um, yeah. So for me, it was just like, take those steps and um, they would be proud. Um, and then I definitely did that. I mean, I think it's one of the reasons why throughout um, high school and college I was super motivated like educationally I, I mean I was always like a self-motivated student my parents never had to like beg me to do homework or study I just always wanted to be the best and I think I just always put that pressure on myself um, and it never really came from my parents um, and then yeah so I in high school I was like I'm gonna get the best grades because I want to go to this one university and it's a private university and I'm gonna get a scholarship so I worked really hard um, and for me probably double I was not great at math I'm not 
um, great at like, I was terrible at physics, so it was definitely hard. But I did get a scholarship, went to university, and there I also studied really hard. I, I think the main thing though I focused on is getting a lot of internships. Um, I grad, I think I was like counting the other day and I probably graduated with like eight different internships throughout oh my, my gosh there. I was like known in my friend group to be like Christina has enough I would have like two internships in a semester if I could um, you know somewhere like remote or so so I was just really motivated of like I want to get all the experience I can get taking advantage of all like the networking events that the university would provide you with um, just trying to meet the right people because I think as a first generation American, we are not given the privilege of being able to graduate from university and have your mom's friend or a family friend give you a recommendation into a job. I've seen that that happens a lot and people just hand out jobs because of the people they know and positions they're in. And unfortunately, like I have no one, like my parents are going through this for the first time. I'm the eldest of like all my cousins and I'm the oldest in my own family so i'm like the first one like no one was gonna figure that out for me <laughs> did you end up going to your dream school yeah yeah i went to hofstra university on long island um and the reason why i picked that school was because it was it's ranked i'm not sure but it's ranked top in it's high up in the um, communication school and I knew I wanted to study journalism um, and it was a private university, but because of that, they give great scholarships based on you know your grades and so on. So when I did apply, I applied to schools outside of state as well. That was just the best option for me because I didn't have to actually go away to college. I think I would have loved to go away for college, but I also didn't know I wanted to stay close to New York City because I was always that career-driven mindset where I was like, well, if I go to Hofstra, I can then take a train, intern during the semester, and then, you know, be able to do two things at once. So that's even better for me. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. And then I also commuted. So I saved a lot of money not having to live on campus. I mean, the scholarship definitely didn't cover that. And I tried so many different ways of like, being able to live on campus like I applied to be an RA and like you know all the different ways where you could probably subsidize that cost but I never ended up getting those positions so I just commuted all four years um, and it was fine luckily I had great friends that let me stay over on the weekend and I really got to enjoy college life I would say I didn't feel like I was left out of that which was really nice like I could have gone to SUNY school I had like yeah. I think it was like a school close to Buffalo and they were like covering everything, like full thing. And I was like, like I, so far. I just knew I was going to be miserable. Um, there's like, I think, Binghamton University. A lot of people yeah. from my high school went to. And I was like, I don't even want to like be in this. Everyone from one there. I don't think I want to do that. My mom's like, I've heard of this school. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to do my own thing. And, and it ended up being great because I would definitely say college is where I was able to kind of go back and like connect with my Latin identity, which I didn't expect that happening. Are you still friends with people from college, from university? Yeah, I would say my entire friend group is from university. Yeah, I oh, like to so nice. stay connected with anyone really from high school. Um, yeah. 
And it was just ended up being that I just connected way more with the people I met at college. I have a really big like international friend group. And um, yeah, I just, those four years I spent there. So what did bring you to New York City finally? Well, like I said, I always knew that was the end goal. I think for me, like being at Hofstra, I always knew, like, and I would tell my parents, like, I'm going to get a job in Manhattan, and then eventually I'm going to move to New York, and I want to be in the city. And I just felt like every time I was interning in the city, I, it just just felt like different energy. I think everyone knows what that means if they've ever been in New York. Um, and, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I think after, after university, I did save um, – I did stay at home for two years to save money, but I got a job right out of college in um, Manhattan. So I was like doing the commute from Long Island to the city, which the Long Island Railroad, we all know, is like not the best, and I am really <laughs> far into um, Long Island. So it was yeah. like a two hour commute there, and then a two hour commute back. Yeah, it was like waking up in the morning, going to the Long Island Railroad Station, making sure you got there early because parking yep. would get filled up, take the train, go into Penn, and then walk to work. By the time I sat down, I left at like 6.37 my house, and I was sitting down there at 9 a.m., um, and then doing that on the way back. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's what comes of living so far out east of Long Island, but I saved, I mean, I saved a lot of money, um, yeah. and I did it for two years, and then at that point, I knew I wanted to move. I had some friends that were already living in Brooklyn. I really liked the neighborhood, so um, I actually reconnected with the one friend that I still speak to in high school. Um, she was looking to do the same thing, and we both just found, like, a two-bedroom in Brooklyn, and then I've been here ever since. Talk to me about your content creations. I am obsessed with your fashion, your get readies with me, your working out. It's very inspirational. Um, and also anything that you put on your skin, I'm like, I'm buying that immediately. So you're my personal influencer. Um, how did that all start and what inspired you to do that? Yeah, I think um, thinking about this, I think I have always been a creative person. Um, I arts class was like my favorite subject in school. And then um, I was like in high school, I was on um, the TV, like the morning announcements doing like the broadcasting um, on TV <laughs> and I did video editing classes. And I was just like, I wanna be like on TV talking. <laughs> and like, you know, social media at the time wasn't a thing. Like there wasn't Instagram in high school, or maybe there was, it was just starting off. Um, throughout university, um, I, yeah, I, let me see, oh, well, I've always been into YouTube, so that's, like, the little bit of content creation, I never, I wasn't creating YouTube videos, but I was consuming a lot of it, so mm -hmm. I always liked just, like, that type of world, and then when I got to college, I, um, like I said, studied broadcast journalism, which included, like, um, conducting interviews, uh, shooting video on campus, editing it. Um, I was part of the radio station, so it was already somewhat creating content, um, I guess, in a journalism way, but then that definitely overlapped with, like, my personal stuff. I like to do that on my own time, so I would be um, taking photos or, like, creating a blog. I had, like, a blog at some point um, that I kept in college, um, 
but then in class we also had to create a blog so I kind of took everything I was learning um, in the in the communication school and was applying it to like my real life and like online uh, persona of myself or like my Instagram and um, then I would say through um, my internships, I was a campus rep for Victoria's Secret Pink um, at Hofstra. Oh, cool. So that also involved like creating content, posting on Instagram. So I kind of got a little bit into like the social media, ma- social media management part of things um, on the brand side. And I did some of those internships and that's kind of how I started getting into like the influencer marketing uh, world all while I was still kind of creating my own like content on the side. Mm-hmm. And then when I came to um, graduation and I was looking for a full-time job, I just came across like an influencer marketing agency and the description kind of showed everything I was doing like in my real life. Like it wasn't necessarily what I studied. I didn't study marketing. Um, I took a couple classes because towards the last year in college, I knew I was like interested in digital marketing. so. I definitely um, took some intro classes, but everything that was listed out in the job description was kind of what I was doing myself. Like I was Mm -hmm. already a content creator influencer. So that's kind of how I pitched myself at the job um, interview. Like, hey, like I could be like an influencer a brand would work with. And I totally understand this world. Um, And I also have like the skill sets of like writing, creating a brief, like all of that since I study journalism and that's how I got into that world so full-time I work in influencer marketing outside my nine to five I'm also an influencer marketing creating videos um you know I think my content's more lifestyle but I do love skincare um and yeah I just showcase like my real life on Instagram like nothing I would never want to like recommend or talk about anything I mean I don't make money off of like my content I have done some brand partnerships um but a lot of it is just like gifted stuff and like um really organic what are some of the more complicated parts of that world for you I think it's just balancing like I have been creating content for I guess you would say years now but um a lot of my focus has always been on my full-time job like I can't, I'm just, I know that there's girls out there that, you know, they're able to take a couple months off or they graduate college and they don't have to find a job right away because maybe their parents are supporting them or whatever and they just go full on into creating the content and some people make a living off of that or they, you know, can blow up and really make that their job. But I just can't afford to not work nine to five. So it definitely like limits me into like, being able to put all my energy into content creation. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I um, love, I, I think it's important to build my professional career. Um, and I could definitely probably be, I think this year I'm trying really hard to be more balanced of um, being more motivated after my job or maybe working before my nine to five to create the content. And I think with my podcast that is also more motivating as well like I am creating content for the podcast and that community has grown so much like there's more followers on my uh, podcast account than my personal so it's kind of like very motivating I'm like wow like I can put my energy into not just my personal but my own podcast that's a whole Latina community and I definitely see a lot of feedback from that and through all that journey I've noticed that 
um, the Latin community, like the Latinas are like so supportive and they'll be like commenting and liking and sharing and it's people I don't even know and they're like wanting to support. I think I've never really experienced that or realized um, how strong that community is until now because I've never really been around that. And I think that's the perfect segue into Latinas Without Borders. Yeah. Tell me everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the inspiration between Latina Without Borders would probably be my experience through university. Um, when I joined Hofstra um, it, on campus, it was the first time that I connected or interacted with a Latina that was my age. Um, again, I the only Latina, Latinos I knew were my were my family, and I also am the only I was the only girl growing up, and all my cousins were like very very young. I'm the oldest um, by a lot, so I didn't really grow up with like girl cousins around me that are Latinas or like family members. They're all much older, so getting to university was definitely the first time where. I could be with someone my age that was like also spoke Spanish, liked to listen to the same music as me, and I immediately like gravitated towards that. Um, I ended up volunteering at a, like an our, our international office um, with students coming outside of the U.S. studying at Hofstra, and I was part of the orientation. I just like volunteered, and I met so many people. I mean, across. Um, not just Latinas, but like across Europe. But obviously my friend group started becoming my best friend is from Costa Rica. My other friends from Peru. I have a lot of Brazilian friends. Um, yeah, I think across everywhere. So that ended up being like the type of people I started interacting with and like learning their stories. And I just thought it was really cool um, that they were, I mean, not only just Latinas in the US, but they were like, from Costa Rica, like from South America and coming to the US and assimilating to US culture. So um, that's part of it. And then I definitely, um, part of the other part would be I studied abroad in the Netherlands. So I studied in Amsterdam, it was amazing. Um, and there I somehow like, again, like started finding a community of Latinas there, which there's not a lot, but like the work I was doing, I was a journalism student and I ended up doing like a whole um, YouTube video of like why um, Latinas immigrate to the Netherlands. Um, and then since I was doing that for work, I had to like dig up and find the communities in um, Amsterdam that were Latinas. So, um, that was really cool. I was like, wow, like there's actually Latinas like not only just in the US, obviously South America, but in Europe um, that are living a whole different experience than we are in the US. Um, and I, by the time I found that community, I had a month left in the Netherlands and I was like, oh no, they invited me to like a salsa boat party and I wasn't able to go because I was already going back to New York. Um, but it got me really excited. I was like, wow, like, there's Latinas also in the Netherlands or in The Hague. I went to The Hague. It's another city outside of Amsterdam. There's a whole community of Dominicans there, which I was like so surprised about. I was like, why am I hearing like Dominican accent, people speaking Spanish in The Hague? And there's a big community there as well. So when I graduated college, I was just more interested in like learning people's stories. Um, and that's how I came up with Latina Without Borders, obviously the name Without Borders. So 
you know, no matter where you are all around the world globally, um, I was really interested in hearing other Latinas stories and um, the concept has definitely changed over time and grown. Um, I introduced the idea to my co-host who's Eliza and like she came in and brought her own perspective. So then we kind of built that into a whole platform where we interview Latinas um, working across different industries, um, but we also talk about topics that may be like controversial or like just things that we deal with like bicultural identity and it gets really vulnerable and there's people who come on and really you know kind of what we're talking about talk about their experience um so yeah that's the inspiration behind it um and it's exciting we have um a new uh format this year which will be really fun we're really excited for it and motivated because we are going to now incorporating video, which I think a lot of people like um, on YouTube and uh, growing the social media platforms as well. And I'm sure you're going to be very inspiring for many people who get to listen to this. And I'm curious, who were some of the people that inspired you growing up or even now? I would definitely say my mom. I would say my mom is like the biggest inspiration because she she did things that I would never be able to do in my 20s. Like um, at 23, I guess she moved from Ecuador to the US and she already met my dad at that point. So she was like, hey, um, I really wanna go to the US. She was in the middle of studying college. I think her dream was to um, go to university in the US, which luckily she had the privilege of doing because she did have my dad, my grandpa got citizenship in the U.S. like years ago when you could do that. We had family in the U.S. already, but then I think she like met my dad and she ended up staying. Um, so halfway through her universe, her years studying, she told my dad like, hey, like we, I'm gonna go to the U.S. so you can either like marry me um, like in a month <laughs> or so and then we can go together or I'm just like leaving. <laughs> I think I asked her like, oh, how did you like, how did like my dad propose? And that's the answer she gave me. So, okay. She's like, it was an ultimatum back then. That was okay. Yeah. She was like, <laughs> and that ended up happening. They ended up getting married. I, it wasn't very romantic, I guess, like, the proposal, but he, you know, within a month he proposed um, and then they got married and they both decided to come to the U.S. Um, or they both came here. So yeah, and she's always doing, you know, obviously that's a big move, but she's always doing things that I would say like my dad see, sees like that may be impossible when she's like, no, we can definitely do it and like go for it. Um, moving to Comac even, I think I remember there being like arguments over like, we can't afford that, are you crazy? And my mom be like, no, we're gonna find a way, like this is what we need to do, like we'll, cut back in other ways so we can like pay the taxes in this town so our kids can go to this university um and then even now like um she i told you cleaned houses all until like i would say three years ago um when they moved to florida and then she decided she was going to become a real estate agent <laughs> and so she became a real estate agent and now another thing they recently started they are small business owners um, they bought like an ice cream shop in Florida, like things that like I never even like would imagine my parents going for. And these are all like big, I think, you know, buying a business is definitely a big risk. But 
But um, yeah, my friends who have like my closest friends who have met her are always like, your mom is just like a go getter, and I'm like, yeah, she really is. <laughs> um, and it's probably one of the reasons why like I am the way I am, and I'm definitely like a more independent person. And um, yeah, she's definitely made me, I guess, strong. You could say. Yeah, I definitely think so, and I think it's from seeing them struggling, right, that you're wanted more for yourself, which is, is what I think happened with myself, where I saw that, like, they were scrapping for pennies to, like, make ends meet, and my mom was always working all odd jobs, my dad had the same job always, because it was, like, how we got insurance. There's always There always needs to be one that's taking risks and then the other ones that look that's more logical to be like okay really think about this so you definitely always need you know someone to to push you a little bit and challenge you which is really nice that you had your mom to do that i don't think either of my parents really had that i want to ask you a question like how did you um where do you think you get your i guess i don't know motivation from if like and you know since your parents always played it safe i think because a part of me feared being in that situation because they were the adults, right? So I remember ever since I was little, I'd be like, I'm gonna live in a house and I'm gonna have a backyard and I'm gonna have a nice car because I hated it. Like I was so depressed as a child because I saw what other kids had. So it motivated me to make sure I graduated high school. So I really resonated with your story where it was like, to everyone else, like, of course they're going to go to high, graduate high school. Of course they're going to go to college. But to me, graduating high school was a big deal for everyone in my family. So my goal was always to live in New York City, have this, like, corporate job, work my way to the top. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, this is actually not that fun. So for me, the motivation was just having what I didn't have when I was younger. Yeah, it's this, that was a long-winded answer, but when we were um, when we catched dinner, but it was like the guilt, like the um, first-generation guilt or so, or like just the guilt of when you like get to I don't know a point where you're like, oh my gosh, like, and do I even deserve this? Like, why am I in this environment? Or like, I'm having these experiences that like my mom would have never been able to have in her twenties and never probably dreamed of. I think when it comes to traveling, I feel that a lot. Like. Mm -hmm. um, when I go, I've traveled a lot through Europe and sometimes I like double think before I send a photo to my parents because I'm like, I'm like, uh, I feel like, like they're back home working and I'm over here in Europe, like living my best life. And like, they definitely like can't do that. I can't like just take off work and like have PTO, you know, like that wasn't a thing so much. So I definitely understand. My mom to this day lives to work. And if I ask her to like take a day off to come spend time with me or do something, she's like losing money by taking off of work. So I'm like, that is such a crappy way to live, but that's how she's built. Like mm -hmm. they're wired totally different because of the way they came to this country and struggled. And even now when, you know, I have PTO, I have money, I could take off whenever I want. She's like, you need to stop taking off because they're gonna fire you. And I'm like, no, I have I have these weeks to take off. Like, I'm required to take them. <laughs> I know. But I do have one more question for you. Okay. When you think about 
your experiences and how far you've come, what is a piece of advice that you would give your younger self? I think, I think the advice I'm about to give is probably wasn't available to me growing up, but I think it would be like if you find yourself being in an environment where you're looking around and you don't see people that either share the same culture as you or speak the same language and so on, um, and sometimes we can't change where we, you know, where we are living and where we're born, um, but I would definitely like lean on social media to find that. I think that's what um, one of the great things about social media. Obviously, there's a, a lot of bad things and you know, so on, but one of the benefits is really being able to find that community that might not be around you. And in terms of, um, like, the Latin community, like, I, I see it all the time when I'm on, like, TikTok. I'm like, wow, there's so many Latina creators now. Like, I just didn't see that growing up at all. Or that would have been really cool if I was in high school. And, like, maybe I went to high school and I didn't have Latina friends. But at least when I came back home or, like, at least when I was on social media, like, I was able to connect with other Latinas. And, um... I don't know, I, I'm always, I'm a very social media girl, so for me, like, I've made friends through social media, like, I connect with them, living in New York is so great because there are so many people in New York, and you can just, it's not weird to be like, do you want to go grab a drink somewhere, um, and I've met people, yeah, through Instagram, like, I have DMs on my Instagram of girls I've never met, but they're just people I've connected with, and the majority of them are Latinas, and I feel like, we're friends but we're like Instagram friends until we end up meeting in real life um so I think I would just say like uh what would have been nice uh for for me to have that is I wouldn't have maybe had assimilated so much and like been so pushing my culture down and like really I probably would have appreciated being a Latina way more and I think I don't regret any of it because now I have that opportunity and I'm building a platform um, through that and I'm able to really, I think if anyone was from high school looking at me now, they're probably like, whoa, like this girl really expresses like um, being a Latina and appreciating the whole culture and really leaning into it. And I'm doing that like fully 100% and it's like the happiest I've ever been.